Podcast. We're so used to being so flexible in the military and doing what the needs of the military are as compared to really what makes you tick, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? And so the service member is kind of at a disadvantage, and certainly the civilian doesn't understand that military people don't like to talk, use the word I. We use the word we. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. This is another special Wednesday morning episode brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just wanted to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game in 2023. Also, I wanted to remind you that Deep Leadership is ranked as a top 100 management podcast in the U.S., and I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about what it takes to become a military veteran champion, and my guest is Air Force retired Lieutenant Colonel Kathy Loray Gallowitz. Kathy served nearly 30 years in the Air Force, and now she helps civilian employers become veteran champions. In this episode, we discuss what employers can do to help military veterans and why veterans make such good employees. This was an important discussion that I know you'll enjoy. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by retired Lieutenant Colonel Kathy Lowry Gallowitz. Kathy is the founder and CEO of Vanguard Veteran, where she equips civilian employers to become veteran champions. She also equips faith community leaders to build military ministries. She served nearly 30 years in the Air Force as a nurse and public affairs officer and retired as a Lieutenant Colonel. Kathy is the author of Beyond, Thank You for Your Service, the Veteran Champion Handbook for Civilians. In this book, she describes how easy it is for employers and other citizens to become veteran champions. Now, I'm excited to have her on the show to talk about the idea of a veteran champion and why you should hire a military veteran. So, Kathy, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks for including me in your boat, buddy. <laughs> yes, actually, we're all in the same boat, which is the yep. second book, by the way. Yeah, so you're I on that. Board. I love that. I love uh, that. I, I need to yeah. pipe you in because of your rank and uh, give you a salute. But uh, thanks for coming on the show, and, and 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 thank you for all the work you're doing with veterans, and I'm excited to talk about it. Um, maybe just give the audience a little bit of uh, what you did in the military, almost 30 years, uh, and where you developed this passion for veterans and wanting to help kind of... Uh, help civilians understand how to deal with veterans. 
Okay, John, in our uh, preparation for the podcast, I, I shared with you that my brother went to Annapolis. Well, I grew up as a Navy brat, growing up, moving around the world, supporting my dad's Navy career. Then my parents paid for nursing school, and Air Force nursing was my first choice career. Why? Because of the leadership focus, education, travel, physical fitness, all those great things, and the desire to serve, of course. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, about midway through my career, I switched over to public affairs. So the crowning achievement of my career was to build a statewide outreach program for the Ohio National Guard to educate and engage civilians in mm. support of troops and their families. And this was done in response to 9-11, because as you know, the reserve component, both the reserve and guard, was deploying like no time in our nation's history. We were deploying alongside our active duty brothers and sisters, and we're, we're an operational force instead of a strategic reserve. So my book, Beyond Thank You for Your Service, showcases uh, more than 20 mostly Ohio civilian veteran champions who improve quality of life, workforce, or community. Mm. And so the term veteran champion came from my experience with these civilians who used their circle of influence with a little bit of knowledge about military culture, with a desire to serve and give back, and some encouragement, if not inspiration, to do more. And, and I've got to tell you, uh, more often than not, people will tell me, you know, more than, more women probably than guys, but they will say, you know, doing this work gives me goosebumps. Mm. Um, I had a I had a gal, I was having lunch with a, a fellow uh, business colleague recently, and she was explaining to me how she helped start a veteran hiring program in her company. And she says to me, I get goosebumps when I tell you about it. And that was, and that was 10 years ago for her. Yeah. So that, um, example just sort of signifies how meaningful it is for civilians to truly go beyond thank you for your service in substantive ways that builds relationship and improves community and workforce. I, I love that. And, and and I think it's it's really, I love the title of the book because I think you're right. There's a lot of people that are never served in the military. They, they, They'll, they'll say, thank you for your service, and they find out you're a veteran, but they don't know what, what else they can do, right? I think and, that's the challenge. And they really don't know what that means. I mean, I think it's sincere, mm -hmm. but um, just for fun, other people have said, uh, they say, thank you for your service and sacrifice, which might be even more sincere, show an indication of even increased knowledge. And then one uh, female veteran friend of mine said, I like to say to other veterans, thank you for wearing the uniform. Mm, yeah. Isn't that special? Because it, what does it connotate to you, John, when you hear that? Well, yeah, there was a sense of pride. There was a sense of duty. There was a sense of honor uh, wearing that uniform. It was, a, it was a privilege. I had two grandfathers that served World War II. I was, nice. I was following in their footsteps. I mean, I was doing... You know, and I have a son that's in the Navy now, and it's 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 like I'm doing my duty as my grandfathers did before me. You know. Yep. Yep. And that that is even I think even more understanding of kind of what wearing the uniform means to our service members. Yeah. Uh, um, but the veteran champion idea also stemmed from my experience growing up as a as a military brat, moving so much, and you know, finally um, 
after the age, at, by the age of 35, I'd lived in at least 20 different communities. Wow. Right. And, yeah. it, and, it, and in my adult career, I've had at least 17 different jobs in six different sort of industries. Right. Yeah. So, you know, not only are our military people adaptable and resilient, but, you know, our experiences are different from civilians or people generally who don't move as much. And, and so when I started to establish roots at the age of 35 in a, in a, a, a mid-sized community in, uh, in Ohio, I was like, wow, you know, I, I just started to reflect on some of the things that maybe I'd missed or didn't have. And so it helped me um, really take, take further stock of that and investigate that more and really kind of led me in the direction of cultivating civilian veteran champions. I love that. I love that. So where do we need uh, these veteran champions the most? I believe that we need them, that employers are critically important to be veteran champions. And I think that our faith communities play a significant role in post-military transition. Um, But then lawyers, oh my gosh, the good stuff lawyers can do. Educators, be they public school for the dependents or, um, you know, helping service members graduate and succeed or veterans succeed in higher education. I mean, we really need them everywhere, but I prioritized employers and clergy uh, employers because, you know, we all need a paycheck that we've and, 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 a, and a mission that we find purposeful and meaningful that that gives service members a, a great deal of satisfaction. And in a lot of cases, you know, maybe even more important than the paycheck. I don't know. But then uh, the, the clergy piece is uh, fostering military ministries to promote sense of connection, sense of belonging, uh, fostering practical support and spiritual resiliency. That's what military ministries are all about. I love that. And, you know, I just from my experience, I came out of the military, went into corporate America, and I was lost. I, I, I as, as a, as a, even before I went to high school, I had a dream of go, of being in the Navy and being on submarines. And I achieved my lifetime goals at 24 years old. And then I left the military. So I had no purpose anymore. Yeah, yeah. And and it was really tough. Um, You know, I went, like most people, I got out and got a job and, you know, started started a family, all that sort of thing. But for seven years, I was lost until I finally found my purpose again and found a mission again. And I I, I think that's a common story with veterans is that we do want purpose. We do want a mission. We do want to be part of something bigger than just a job, right? Is that the case? That's the case. And the other thing I want to add is that who does this work, John? Who is helping our citizenry Mm. understand the uh, differences of military culture, understand the value of veteran talent, and purposefully harnessing what our citizens know through their circle of influence to to help our uh, veterans come all the way home, so to speak, to smoothly reintegrate into society. You know, the VA does a great job with healthcare. I'm a, I'm a proponent of the VA, and that's a hugely complex, full-time job. Yeah. And, and the DOD, their job is to promote national defense strategies. And so I think we're missing the third leg of the stool big time in our society by not having a concerted, proactive program that educates our citizenry about what they can do because no action is too small. Mm, 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if, if you know, I mean, this is a loaded question. You probably you probably take yeah. the whole podcast, but why yeah. should employers hire military veterans, in your opinion? Because the return on investment makes the workforce stronger, pure and yeah. simple. It's yeah. a win for the veteran to have a job with meaning and purpose that pays the bills. And research shows that veterans are uh, more productive, loyal, stay at the jobs longer. And when employers are, if you will, veteran ready, mm. they can even generate cost savings. Mm. So the, the Society of Human Resource Management in 2019 did a study that says employers report, 68% of employers report that veterans are better than, if not much better than, their non-veteran counterparts. And a 2021 study by the same organization reports that human resource professionals believe that veterans, 91% of veterans, stay as long, if not longer, than their civilian peers at the works in, in jobs. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, we were talking before we started the show. I, I did 22 years in corporate and I hired a lot of veterans just because I am a veteran and I know yeah. and I know what I'm getting, right? I'm getting somebody that was challenged in their youth, right? It, you know, given a lot of responsibility at a young age. And so they show up on time, they work hard, they have something what I call grit. So when things yes. get tough, they don't quit. And yes. uh and they've been through like some sort of a crucible and they've proven themselves. And so they have a sense of confidence about them. They're able to take on tasks that maybe uh, others can't. And so they are these special, they've always been special employees in my organizations. They're people that can do more than maybe what's on their job description. And, right. and is is that uh, is that what you've seen as well, your experience with, with helping em employers bring on veterans? Well, that's why employers strengthen their workforce when they do it. Hmm. Tell me, where did you find this uh, veteran talent? How did you go about uh, connecting with veterans? So, you know, I, I did. At one point, I was actually posting at different Navy bases at their, uh, what is it, the transition? Uh, yep. uh, assistance program. Assistance, yeah. a, a transition yeah. assistance. So I was actually posting jobs there. Good. And then I... And I've actually engaged with recruiters looking for, specifically looking for military veterans yeah. and also just screening as I screen the candidates and look at resumes. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for, because for me, at least the number one reason I hire somebody is I do look for grit. I want to see that you have overcome something difficult in your life and you're not going to yeah. be stopped when things get hard. And so for me, it's like an easy thing with, oh, they did two deployments in, in Iraq. That's somebody who doesn't quit. You know, that's yes. somebody that I know is going to be resilient. And so the resumes, did your yeah. team, did your team look at the resumes of veterans once or did they look at resumes of veterans more than once? Yeah, I would say more than once. Yeah. Just because it, we, just because of we've had such a positive experience with veterans that we say, well, that's, you know, maybe we're lumping everybody in the same barrel, but we're like, we've had a lot of success with Navy veterans. It's like, for example, we, we, we hire a lot of, uh, because our, our, our business is a lot of electrical mechanical, yeah. we find that aircraft mechanics, uh, the, the people that work on, on fighter jets and, and, and helicopters and others, they're really good at figuring things out and solving problems that are both electrical and mechanical. They're great. They're great hires. So we look for those particular skill sets in people. Yep. Well, and that's that's what Vanguard Veteran does is identify your top need positions and align you and connect you with sources of that talent. I believe in developing proactive 
relationships with people who have access to veterans. I myself don't have a pool of veterans that are standing by ready to hire. I know the people who are involved in that. And and so I customize my approach to help employers do that. And then I also assist with, okay, uh, what are military skills translators? How do you interview on board uh, to create a, a veteran employee resource group and other retention tactics? Because again, the bottom line is it's a win-win. It's a win-win when the veteran has the right job, when there's the right fit, and the vet in the, and the employer knows how to harness the skills that veterans bring to the workforce, leverage them yeah. in its in, in it in their entirety, really to, um, you know, get get the benefit. That makes a lot of sense. And so I'm just thinking as we're talking, like for me, like I was a veteran. So for me, it was like, I'm looking for these people. I know the kind of things that yes. they can do for our company. Yes. So I can connect the two worlds of civilian yes. and military. Yes. But what if you're just in a company and you're a civilian manager and you want to hire some good people? How do you even find a veterans to hire? And how do you, how do you, how do you hire, uh, interview them? And and uh, how do you, like you mentioned, s- translate their skills? Like, it, this doesn't make much sense to me, you know, that they worked on this Abrams tank. I don't know what, the, I don't even know what that is, you know? So, so how do you... So you're, so you're asking a lot of questions. Let me jump <laughs> in here. And, and you're right. Those are the reasons that I do what I do because mm-hmm. the worlds are so different. You knew to go to transition assistance program because you've been yeah. through it right? Yeah. Um, and you knew kind of how to connect the dots, but most of our citizens, most of our employers don't know any of that. They're just completely lost. And then, oh, by the way, they might be influenced by myths and misconceptions that that hurt our veteran candidates. Something I want to highlight today is military skills translators. If, if anybody listening does not know what those are, I encourage you to go to O apostrophe N-E-T military crosswalk and John, I'll provide that link for the show okay. notes and a couple other links. But go to that to compare the 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 military job classification with what kind of civilian jobs that job classification is well suited for. And it is so interesting. Quick example: an eleven Bravo in the Army is an infantry man, the person that goes to war, carries the gun, and does the tough, tough work on the battlefield, up to and including killing the enemy, right? Well, you would wonder, okay, gee, what that, what's this person going to do in civilian life? Well, if you use the military crosswalk, and there's other military skills translators out there besides OBNET, but what comes up is 20 different job titles that this person's well prepared for. And interestingly, the, the top job on the list is a training and development manager. Interesting. Now, of course, you would probably not, that would be hard for me to connect the dots, not being in the army, okay? But, so then it has a bunch of knowledge, skills, and abilities. So you can kind of look at, compare the resume to the the KSAs and say, okay, well, what do I need to ferret out during the interview? What kind of behavioral kinds of questions should I be asking to really try to find a good match? And I think ultimately, the match of level, you know, where you enter the company is probably ultimately really the most important thing because if somebody comes in real low, they're real frustrated, they may not stay real long. If they come in real high, they're maybe not prepared. And I don't know that that happens very often anyway. <laughs> Usually military people 
kind of get hired below their capability. Yeah. Um, so the, the the military skills translators help you at least uh, maybe know some of the questions to ask. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand-built, and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough, so if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American make gift to give away or if you want to treat yourself go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today i know my experience too i got hired in low in a company yes. i went from like being a you know a naval officer on a submarine doing some pretty tough tough things and, yes. and making some serious decisions to an associate design engineer where i had a cubicle and a stapler you know and i and, and yeah. but in five years i was running my first manufacturing plant so Good for you you know that's what i'm saying so so yeah, it was fairly fast, but yeah. and again, I had bosses who said, "Oh, you're in the wrong job." Like, so they recognized it, right? Yes. But I was brought in a low level. But to me, I was always like, "Well, I'll figure it out." You know, typical military attitude. I'll just figure it out, and and you know, and I'll exceed here too. Good, for, good for you. And you know, I think uh, that's a testament to your character because you know, potentially some of us are less patient than that, mm. and and get more frustrated with. Um, the, the shift in, I don't know, I'll just say status or authority. I mean, that's really tough for some people, depending on how long they've served. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, it makes sense to me because, um, you know, you don't know the culture of the organization. The organization doesn't know you. You know, and it take, there's a honeymoon period, if, if, if not a, a baptism or, or whatever, to, to really find your fit. But the service member... I know it's a double-edged sword here, John, this whole hiring process. Our our service members don't come out of the military prepared. I mean, it's getting better. It's getting better, okay? But they don't know how to self-promote. The resumes are still, you know, you know not great, but I think getting better. 
Um, they don't really know who they are or what they really want to do. I mean, you know that from a leadership perspective, right? Right. right. You know, we have to be self-aware and know what our strengths are and, you know, move in that direction. And oftentimes we're so used to being so flexible in the military and doing what the needs of the military are as compared to really what makes you tick, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? And so the service member is kind of at a disadvantage. And certainly the civilian doesn't understand that military people don't like to talk, use the word I. We use the word we, right? Yes. That yeah. we have we have um, sort of rigid body posture. We're overly formal and we don't necessarily like small talk. Right. Right. <laughs> right? And you're talking also, about me here. <laughs> see, I know it. I know it. And yeah. and if and if and if there's just some level of understanding and perspective and appreciation, oh, okay, I get why that person's that way. And this is the tactic I should use to help them. Yeah. Um, it, it, it really builds bridges. That's, I love that. I love that. I think one of the challenges I first came in was, you know, through, through the military, through the Navy was it was always a qualification process. You were always getting qualified and leveling up. And so you knew what you needed to do to get to the next level. When you got to the civilian world, there was none of that. So, you know, in fact, I even talk about it in my book. It's like I had to create my own qualification program when I got out of the military so that I, I created it on my own and I used the same things I learned in the Navy. Like, okay, go find the more senior people, learn from them, you know, uh, go go to the shop floor, follow them, listen to them, do all the things that you did to get qualified in the military to do get qualified in the civilian world. But, I, yes. but there's nothing there. It's like you no. said, there's no... There's Career no, advancement. Uh, there's no manual. There's no... You're right. You're right. just thrown to the wolves. And if you don't manage your own personal career, yeah, uh, that you you as I can see some people struggling to figure out like what do I do next? How do I how do I learn this job? And 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 there's no because there is no formal qualification process like there is in the military. Well, and um for me, growing up in a military family, then joining the service, I learned that we all have a place on the team. It's yeah. not it's not an inferior place necessarily, but you know, somebody's in charge, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things, right? Yeah. And and then and then at the age of 40, opened up uh, a healthcare practice. Mm-hmm. What a paradigm shift. I was the primary decision maker, just like you when you were the plant manager, right? Okay, you were the one who was creating the culture. Now, I was never a commander, okay? But, um, you know, I just... I think in the military, we we sometimes have more of a of an external locus of control. That's kind of a nursing term as compared to an internal locus of control. You know, we're kind of responding to our environment, what we're told, you know, what the demand is at the time. But in civilian life, to really succeed, you need an internal locus of control and understand self, have yeah. good communication skills, problem-solving skills, and communication skills, right? Yes. Yeah. And and all those things are important in the military too, but you know, we get so fo- task focused with our head down, you know, performing the mission, doing the next checklist, you know. I mean, I mean it it's more involved than that, but that's about the best I can do in the time allowed. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. So, what you mentioned something earlier and I was just going to give you a chance to talk about it. Uh, some of the common myths and mis- misconceptions about uh, about veterans and what needs to be. So what, what, how do we clear the air here and get, get some of those things worked out? Well, I think the prevalent one really is that people are afraid of PTSD. Mm. That, um, you know, it's kind of sensationalized in the media and, the, you know, the, the, the tragic situations where, you know, something horrific happens. And oh, by the way, they happen to have served in the military. Well, 
you know, that is always brought out, seems like, when something really bad happens. And so there are those cases, but the Department of VA says, Veterans Affairs, that 20% of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans have PTSD. So what does that mean? 80% (laughs) do not, okay? Now, Vietnam-era veterans, about 30% will have it in their lifetime. The other thing that's important to remember that if if two-thirds of us, and that's the whole country, experience trauma, 1% of us serve in the military, you're more likely to to meet a civilian with a post-traumatic stress or PTSD based on, you know, a car accident or divorce or domestic violence or, 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 than really you are to meet a veteran because there's fewer of us. So research shows that people with PTSD are not necessarily more violent. Uh, and I know civilians who are, are proud. There's one of them featured in my book who's proud to say that, you know, when, uh, that I can manage my PTSD. I can manage my triggers by being aware, by being, by, by through counseling, and I can live a full life in spite of my PTSD. And this one guy in my book says it, it helps me when I am helping veterans with PTSD. Mm. It helps me manage my triggers. So that's the biggest one. And the other one is communication style, right? Because oftentimes, you know, most veterans look like, like you. They don't look like me, right? Because <laughs> about 15, 17% of the force is female. But, you know, oftentimes our military guys are, you know, kind of, ah, you know, confident. I think you use that word and maybe direct in their speech. And my husband, who's a career army vet for combat tours, says, ah, I don't want to waste good army oxygen, right? If people just go (laughs) on and on and on, you know, they don't get to the point they're not doing bluff, bottom line up front, right. right? Right. So... Um, but but what I encourage employers to do is give that employee feedback, right, John? We are yes. used to getting feedback in the military, and and, and most veterans are pretty thick skinned and know that feedback yeah. is part of the deal, right? Yeah. So if their communication style is you know intimidating people or making people feel uncomfortable, give that veteran employee some coaching, some feedback, invest in them because it will pay off in spades. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, when people get your book, what are the things they're going to find in the book that's going to help them? Who, who are, who's the audience for the book? The, the audience, frankly, is our citizenry. It's, it's a broad audience because there's different chapters focused on different segments of society. Employers, healthcare providers, lawyers, educators, community leaders generally, and clergy. And mm. so each chapter is chock full of practical strategies that you can do through your circle of influence to improve a veteran's quality of life and by so doing, improving yours, right? And or improving workforce and community. Um, certainly, the one of the best things anybody can do is, you know, connect with a veteran and build a trusting relationship, whether you're a, whether you're a neighbor, uh, a, a church member, or an employer, get to know that veteran as a person. You know, the old saying goes, if you've met one veteran, you've met one veteran. Mm. Because we're all so different. We're all so different. Yeah. But but it's the, the book is focused on practical strategies. It's a how-to manual, basically. If you're an employer, 
there's you know strategies on how to hire, how to start a veteran employee resource group, and 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 so on for different uh, people in different as- different areas of society. And it makes a lot of sense because I think there's a lot of people that have questions and they don't even know where to begin. Yes. And something like this puts it all in in their hands and they can sort of answer a lot of their questions. Uh, you know, in, in, in the in place. the back in, in the back of the book, I I talk about okay, what are some strategies to connect with the veteran? I mean, you don't start with, did you ever kill anybody, right? I mean, that seems obvious, but you know, sometimes we forget, right? Um, yeah. And and then it also talks about how to uh, support someone who may be struggling, which certainly works well for civilians, but um, sometimes yeah, the stakes might be a little bit higher if you're a veteran because they. You know, we have a pretty high suicide rate and um, because, you know, weapons are part of our uh, toolkit and we're not intimidated by weapons. And so violent suicide is unfortunately something that happens way too often. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, You know, it's funny because my my son is in the Navy. Just he's actually out at sea right now. And um and it's interesting because you know he he started college. And he decided he didn't want to didn't want to finish up his degree. He decided he wanted to join the navy, and we su- supported it. But you know, I told him I said, when you get out, you're you belong to the biggest fraternity, you know, sorority fraternity, this biggest group of people, because that's what I've discovered throughout my whole life is that I, there's just everywhere you go, there's a customer that was a veteran, there is yes. a supplier that's a veteran, yes. there is a. There is a future nice. employer that's a veteran. So you're part of yes. this really big community. And like you said, every veteran's different. We all have different experiences in the military, but we sort of connect with each other really well, you know? And so if you have veterans already in your workforce, they're a good source to, to, to try to f- ask the question, how do I hire veterans or what yes. I look out for? Yes. Yes. Get them involved in the in every aspect of the employee life cycle. Take them out to job fairs. Have them talk veteran to press prospective job veteran candidate, right? Ask them how you can improve your systems in your workplace. To get a get a committee or a uh, employee resource group started. But, you know, um, ask what, listen, and then respond because uh, they are very mission-focused. And, and more often than not, you know, want the best for uh, you and, and, and the company. Now... You talked about the common bond that's uh, generated so quickly. That's why military ministries are so effective because mm-hmm. uh, about 55% of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans feel disconnected from mainstream America and 40% have a difficult time finding meaning and purpose and or regaining touch with their spirituality. Mm-hmm. So what better place than in a place of worship where they're hospitable uh, and spirituality predominates uh, and there's a respected role for clergy what better place to gather people who have that common bond to help jumpstart relationships, connectivity, and promote healing, or just you know help them find friends, right? Yeah, I, I think that's just having those friends, those connections, that um, a, a community of people to 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 support them, a supportive community. I know, for example, our church is filled with veterans. So I have a, our pastor is a former army, uh, army ranger. And we have, we have another submarine veteran, which is strange. And we have army veterans, air force. So we were, we're Marine Corps. So we have a lot of veterans at our church and we're not even in a military town either. It's well, just sort of, we this. all, 
Yeah. Let's talk about military ministry uh, later, because I know okay. we're probably running short on time. But the other thing that's really important that anybody can do, besides working on developing a trusting relationship with a service member or a military-connected person, meeting their spouse, too, mm-hmm. right, is, you know, back in the day, we used to call it this little black book, right, <laughs> of, all, of all your contacts, right, all the people you know. Well, I encourage you to open up your contact list. And start referring that veteran to a mechanic, a barber, a a babysitter. Oh, but most importantly, someone who might be hiring. Because I I know this veteran or I care about this veteran. I think you should give this person a a first, second, third look. Invite them to your book club. Invite them to your church, right? Help them get connected because we don't have a support system more often than not. Whether you serve four years. Or 24 years, whether you go back home to where you left, your support network has shifted. You have changed. They have changed, right? And if you serve 24 years, you're 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 totally indoctrinated by the military mindset, right? Right. And, and then you move somewhere else, maybe. And you know, you have to start all over. So any yeah. connections, trusting relationships and connections are just something that anybody can do. I love that. I love that. So what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? If you are not already a veteran champion, I invite you to be a part of the win by joining the veteran champion movement. If you're an employer, I'm going to offer John a veteran ready assessment link that you can take. And then I'd love to do a 30 minute consultation with you to see how maybe I can come alongside you. If you have a faith community, I'll offer a military ministry quiz, and I also have a uh, a monthly coaching call I do on the first Sundays for employers who would like to learn some veteran hiring fundamentals. I invite you to examine my Veteran Talent Academy, which you can Google and find. Uh, they are there are courses that I offer on a reoccurring basis, in person and virtual. Just just jumpstart your veteran hiring program and help you adopt some best practices without having to do trial and error on your own. No, that's fantastic. And we'll we'll get all those links uh, here in the show notes below. I uh, and the book is Beyond. Thank you for your service. We will put links to that book as well. Uh, Kathy, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this. I think you gave us a lot of things to think about when it comes to Uh, engaging and hiring uh, veterans and helping the veteran community, even if you don't have any experience uh, in the military. And there's a lot that we all can do. And I think you've shed a lot of light on that. Thank you. I'd like to share my email address real quick. Of course, my my, uh, website is vanguardveteran.com. You can find information for employers and military ministry, as well as a, a wide diversity of other resources, information. And if you'd like to reach me, please contact me at Kathy with a K and a Y, Kathy at Vanguard Veteran, singular, not plural, no periods, Kathy at VanguardVeteran.com. John, I appreciate you having me, my friend, and uh, don't give up the ship. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, again, we'll put links on all those uh, resources in the show notes. Kathy, thanks again for coming on the show. This has been fantastic. Appreciate you. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast.